to another episode of Small Council Radio. Uh, this show, we talk about anything and everything, A Song of Ice and Fire, the tabletop miniature game by Simon. Uh, tonight, we'll actually be talking about the top and bottom five tactics cards in the game. And this will be talking, you know, we'll be taking into consideration all the commanders, tactics cards, as well as the base decks, and uh, factoring, you know, factor them not in a vacuum, but more so just all the possibilities and just from our own personal experiences with the cards. Uh, I can say that uh, our playgroup's pretty diverse, uh, so we've we've gotten to experience all the cards uh, from all the different commanders and factions quite a bit. Um, you know, but this, you know, this uh, topic is always up for, uh, you know, debate. It's, uh, it's not as clear-cut, so I'm sure you'll see a lot of our lists have some similarities and some are, that are just kind of, they're different. Um, tonight, we have with us uh, Justin. Thank you for coming on. And I think uh, Chris and Brett will be on shortly. Uh, they're running a little behind tonight. Uh, but yeah, I guess I'll, while we wait for them, I'll go ahead and throw in the um, the shout-outs uh, ahead of time. Um just give them a couple minutes. If you guys have not heard of a song of, of ice and fire guild.com, definitely go check that site out. That site is uh, pretty much a collaboration of all the different, uh, most of the top uh, uh, content creators out there. There's definitely other content creators that are really good that uh, aren't a part of the guild, but if you want one easy place to just find a ton of different content, definitely go check out a song of ice and fire guild.com. Uh, we have everything from live podcasts to recorded podcasts. We have uh, tools such as, <clears throat> excuse me, tools such as a song of ice and fire stats.com where you can go and find tons of different stats on how well each commander and faction is doing. You can even submit your own results if you uh, create an account. And submitting results is actually pretty easy and quick, usually only taking roughly about 20 seconds per match uh, that you're playing. Uh, you want to make sure that your opponent also has an account so that they can verify the results. Um, you can also find articles and battle reports, both battle reports in article form and in video, uh, video form, as well as uh, some pretty awesome and well thought out like written articles uh, for Tactica and, you know, just a great place uh, to go to find pretty much anything you'd be looking for uh, for content. Uh, especially, you know, it's a great place for experienced players and for newer players to go and find content of all sorts. I know there's tons of content for if you're new to find out, like, what to buy first, um, you know, kind of what to start with, um, what army you might want to, uh, to start up, you know, based on your play style. And even for more experienced players, if you're more into, like, super competitive gaming, there's definitely some of the best players in the world that are part of uh, Song of Ice and Fire Guild. So definitely go check that site out. Uh, and if you guys you know, like our content, we'd appreciate if you guys liked, shared, followed us on you know, Facebook on A Song of Ice and Fire Guild. Uh, you can also follow us on any of the sites that we have our content recorded to, which is a, a blog talk radio iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, uh, and TuneIn. You can also go and join our Discord where you can 
go on there and uh, you know give us show suggestions, which we're always looking for. When you do you know a show every single week, uh, you kind of fly through topics. So we're always looking for whatever you guys want to be listening to. Now, let's say you guys aren't really a part of Discord and you still want to kind of give us a suggestion of a show that you want to hear about. Definitely just message us uh, as uh, on Facebook, either personally or you can go to Small Council Radio and uh, message us there, uh, like a, a show topic that you want to hear. Um, <clears throat> so, with that said, uh, kind of jump into um, you know the top. We'll do the. We'll start with the bottom five uh, tactics cards um, of the game. So. What you're kind of looking for in tactics cards, you're kind of looking for not necessarily game changers, but at the right moment, they can. Um, whereas, uh, you know, the bottom uh, the bottom five cards, usually going to be cards that you're going to be ditching a lot. You, you're not really going to see a lot of situations for them to pop up, or they have just too many uh, circumstances um, to happen for them to even trigger uh, so for me, I'll start with mine. Uh, bottom five, in no particular order, to be honest, uh, is Stag's Wit and Baratheon's Conviction, both from the Baratheon uh, basic deck. Uh, then I have Kingslayer's Renown from Jamie Lannister's uh, uh, specific cards. Uh, Mummer's Tricks from Fargo Hote's uh, specific cards, and then the unseen, the threat unseen from Holland Reed's cards. So to me, these cards, um, I'd say the uh, ones I've played with quite a bit are the threat unseen and Stag's Wit and Baratheon's Conviction, but I've definitely had my fair share with the other two. And I have to say, more often than not, these usually don't ever do enough for me to, if if the trigger comes about and I can play it great, more often than not, you know, I'm ditching these cards whenever possible just because they just, they seem like they don't impact the game as much as I would need them to. So we'll start with uh, the threat unseen. That is uh, when a damaged enemy unit activates, the enemy must take a panic test and suffers minus one to their uh, role per destroyed rank. When they're within long of a Kranigman unit, they also become panicked. Now, most Holland read lists, especially because the only thing that is Kranigman is uh, the Kranigman trackers, or if you were running uh, one of the, the brother or the sister for the, the Reed sisters, <clears throat> or uh, the Reed children, uh, you're not going to have that many Kranigman out there. So I would say it's not that hard to trigger the second part. But without that, I mean, a basic panic test, especially early game, if you get this early, um, a lot of times it's going to be useless because you can't even trigger it unless someone's already hurt. And first couple rounds, in a lot of cases, there, no one's going to have any damage on them yet, at least in a, in a Sturk uh, deck. You don't, you don't have a lot of ways to just bomb them out of nowhere. So this one, you know, I love playing as Holland Reed, and this one is definitely a card I don't really like to see. Uh, maybe if it had a base minus one, kind of like uh, um, the Lannister card, uh, Hear Me Roar. Hear Me Roar. Yeah. 
So if you had like a base minus one, then it would be, I think, a ton better. But for the fact that uh, you could have like, let's say, one or two wounds taken off the unit, and now they're taking a panic test at no minus. Uh, I mean, more often than not, especially if you're playing competitively, they're going to pass because a lot of competitive lists are running really good morale. And even if they're down to one rank, you know, they're taking a minus two, which is nice. But now with the new panic rules, you're more than likely, you know, you're not going to just outright kill them unless you roll really well on that D3. So, I mean, it has its uh, perks. Uh, I mean, if you can make it go off perfectly when they're down to one rank and they activate and they just die and now they wasted an activation, that's great. I mean, I've only had it happen once, but it's, you know, that's awesome. But I'd say the overwhelming majority of the time, this card tends to not do almost anything. Um, I'm I'm surprised at that. Uh, like, I agree that it's a card that doesn't work very often, uh, but it's one of those situations where the... the uh, I don't want to say risk versus reward because you don't really have a risk in using it, but the use versus reward, so how often it goes off. Because if they do lose a unit and waste an activation on their activation, that can be game-changing immediately. Plus, you can give them a panic token with up to minus two. Uh, I think I think there's like worse cards that kind of trigger in the same way, personally. Um, I just wanted to throw in my two cents. Like, what, I do agree that it almost never goes off, but when it does, it can be amazing. Yeah, and that's the thing. Like, that's what I kind of, when I first started playing and I saw this card, I'm like, man, this could be amazing. Because um, those that know uh, Holland Reed, he also has the card of uh, <clears throat> uh, Devil Ambush. And it, it's similar in that effect that when an enemy combat unit activates, they suffer D3 plus 2 automatic hits and have a minus 1 to their save if they're within range of a Kranigman unit. So. Uh, that one is amazing. I love that card. Uh, I love seeing it because, um, you know, this card, in my opinion, has such a higher chance to do what uh, the threat unseen does, which is blow up a unit before when they activate before they actually do what they're supposed to do. Um, but I think maybe if the meta wasn't so big on, like, such good uh, morale... It wouldn't be as big of a deal. But as a Stark player, I'm trying to eat through my deck as fast as I can. Um, I'm just... Because the Stark deck, one of the best uh, traits about it is the ability to just fly through triggers. Because almost nothing in the deck... I mean, there are some, but there's not a lot that um, have the same triggers. So I'm allowed... I'm, I'm constantly just like, oh, this trigger. Play this card, this card, this card. Whereas... This card is sharing a timing with his other one, the Bog Devil Ambush, and with Crandigman Traps, because all of it is when an enemy activates. So it, it kind of creates, uh, excuse me, a kind of, I don't know, it kind of creates a situation where if I have multiple of his named cards, I'm never playing it to begin with. And then when I finally get to, you know, I feel like a lot of times it's not really doing what it, I want it to do. I guess one uh, thing I was curious about. Hey, Brett. Um, oh, it's Brett. Great. Everybody stop talking <laughs> yeah. about him. Brett, Brett had a tournament game today, and it, it ran over a little bit. And then there like were people, me story. 
there were people <laughs> in the Discord listening, so I just completely lost track of time. Likely story. Yeah. yeah. Um, I feel like there's one. It's on my list, and I'm not trying to um, like supersede yours. I feel like there's a card that has like the same trigger, but it's so much worse. <laughs> and that's oh, pure keeps man alive. Oh. Before you finish, I'm just going to tell Brett the five of mine that I named. That way he's kind of oh, on yeah, the same yeah, page. Sure. Uh, so, Brett, all we've done so far is I mentioned that my bottom – we're doing bottom five first. My bottom five was Stag's Wit, uh, Baratheon's Conviction, Kingslayer's Renown, Mummer's Tricks, and The Threat Unseen. And uh, go ahead, uh, Justin, with what you're saying. So, like, Fear Keeps a Man Alive is basically the same kind of trigger where it, like, never – Never works. Um, you had, but it's it's like worse in like eighteen different ways, uh, and that's kind of why like I'm pointing it out because you have to first expend a panic token, so you can't use a panic token to help. It's only a morale test instead of a panic test. And if they fail, which I think I've only gotten to fail like twice in the existence of me using Roos a million times, uh, then they may, the only action they can perform is a retreat. And then if you're a house pulled and you heal D3 wounds, so like best case scenario, they move away from you and you heal averagely two wounds. And they take no damage from it either. But there's also been some confusion lately of, not confusion, some questions of, do they have to retreat? It says the only action they may do, so can't they pass? Because that's not an action. Yes. Yeah, so, so that card is just terrible. Yeah, One it combat. came up in a discussion because uh, it came up in a discussion when we did some talk on a different podcast about this card, but I I don't think it's in the FAQ, but it was answered on the rules forum by, I think, I don't want to say Michael Chennault and misquote him, but I'm almost positive that it was answered by somebody officially from CMON that the use of the word may means that they, they can just take no actions at all, which if they had to retreat, it would kind of be a cool card, um, you know, because maybe you can it's get your never cavalry works. to get a charge, but I know it's on so my they never, like <laughs> They never get the negative potential. They never get the panic potential. Uh, you have to actually well, was, use a resource to activate it. Well, I was thinking you could always uh, combo it with adaptive methods and uh, change, actually done that. like change a different, like, expend the panic and change a different token, like a weaken mm. to be a panic. Yeah, you, you, you definitely can. But then you're but even if they fail, you're swapping out two tokens to make them do that. Which they don't take any that's, damage from, you heal D3 wounds, and that's, that's it. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's two pretty substantial tokens for a pretty below average effect, in my opinion. Uh, at least compared to other cards that are similar. Um, yeah. Not to like steal your thunder, thing. though, Dave. We're not trying to be no, like you're no, wrong. You have well, that's a valid point that, that it should be used if you if you had to heal, you could do it, and that's a good way to heal and maybe stop an attack from something that's really gross that you don't feel like getting punched by. But oh, the trigger is also it, harder though because it is an engaged enemy. Yeah, so that's what I was getting at with Stag's resilience, where. Stag's wit. Oh, no, no, you're saying something else. Okay. Stag's wit's not a very good card either, but Stag's Resilience is one of the stronger cards because Mm -hmm. if you control the letters, it can be an An eight-wound difference. 
eight wound swing. Yeah, I just ate Stagger's Resilience today, so it's fresh on my mind. But it's a very I good card. All right, Dave, continue yeah. since I spill your thunder. No, you're good. And that's why I mentioned at the beginning of the show that, you know, it, this it's hard to place – when there's so many tactics cards, it's hard to pick up top and bottom five. It really is. I think it would be a lot easier if we did top ten and top – or bottom ten. But that yeah. would just make the show ridiculously long. I actually uh, found it harder to pick – I found it harder to pick those bottom five cards than I found like there's a lot of cards that I think are top five but I had to like really think about which ones I think are just terrible for the bottom five in fact I really think I I only got like four (laughs) yeah I would have to agree and when uh, on the list I know it's kind of in no particular order but I would say the threat unseen is probably the best of these five that I listed in my opinion because it does at least have that potential to you know, kill the unit, heavily. yeah, you kill the unit right when they activate, so they don't get an activation. So that to me, that at yep. least has something. But uh, Mummer's tricks: the start of any turn, target an engaged enemy combat unit. They must pass a morale test or become vulnerable and weakened. And if they're engaged with a bloody Mummer unit, they suffer minus two to the roll. Now, again, this is passing a morale test and I just don't like cards that are doing that without an innate minus or lots of ways to minus it Um, and uh, though uh, neutrals or boltons have lots of ways of having minus to your morale they don't have like uh, minusing to like effects the way like Lannisters do yeah they really Um, only have like yeah, vicious and panic token passing those out, but so I mean I guess if they have a panic token on them, you can expend it to potentially make them vulnerable and weaken. But then you're only netting one token. The minus two if you're engaged with a mummer unit, but I guess in context, like we were saying, without being in a vacuum with these cards, a lot of the you know the two mummer units aren't really seeing any play right now, so it's hard to. What? Zorse Riders are the best. <laughs> so, and not only that, you have to be engaged so uh, to get that minus two. And, and those aren't units that succeed well while staying engaged either. They're squishy. Yeah. They need to go in and kill what they're attacking first. Yep. So I'd say you're not really – it's hard to trigger it because you have to target someone that's in, it's at the start of the turn when they're engaged. So – uh, you can't like charge them and then trigger this. It's at the start of the turn, um, and then they have to, t- you know, make a, a morale test. Which a lot of cases you're going to see a lot of good morale out there, or ways to buff it or auto pass it. Uh, and then you would have to have it be one of your bloody mummer units because at this point, with only those two options, if you run like a bloody mummer army, it's not going to be solely comprised of bloody mummers. Probably, I'm assuming. So you're going to have to hope that you have one of your uh, mummer units in the unit you want to use this on. What do you think, Brett? Uh, I. I was I was pretty hard on some of the Simon design last week, so I want to avoid <laughs> letting some of my dickish personality that's been coming out lately come out. <laughs> I, mean, it, it, I don't know what's going on. I've been a little bit more moody lately than normal, 
So I don't want to rag on the mummers because I don't think I need to say it because I think everybody knows it. So that's why this card is on my list. I think with the other two cards, I, I can't put his other two cards on there because I put a lot of stock in any card as a free panic test. So I'm going to respectfully disagree with you on uh, the threat unseen. I think it is a fantastic card. Uh, I think it's a fantastic card because outside of Umber Berserkers, the number of elite units that you're seeing with like super high morale may be unsullied. Um, it's few and far between. The meta right now is focusing on numbers of units, numbers of activations. So you're seeing Stark Sworn Swords. You're seeing uh, Sworn Brothers, Conscripts, things that are extremely susceptible to that card. If they're down two ranks, it's a minus two. And if they're close to a Cranog unit, they become panicked. I think the threat unseen is great. I think uh, the other of Vargo's cards that forces a panic test with basically minimized roll, you roll three dice and throw out your highest, is pretty decent uh, just because it's a panic test. But the Mummer's Tricks is, is not good, in my opinion. Like, they have <laughs> to fail a morale test. They have to fail a morale test, maybe. If they're engaged with a Mummer unit, which... Uh, why is the Mummer unit alive anyway? <laughs> so, but they're a minus two, and then they become weakened and vulnerable. Yeah, it's nice. Those are good tokens. All the tokens are good. Tactics cards and condition tokens are what sets this game apart, and that's what swings the battle. So condition tokens are great, but uh, I, don't, I don't know about the conditions for that. Um, and it's, it's, it's another thing. I don't think the card is horrible, horrible, horrible. But when I'm having to pick the five worst, I'm looking for the good in cards, and I watch all of these games constantly because I'm obsessed with this game, I guess, to probably unhealthy levels. So I watch three games a day, play two or three, four or five times a week. So I see these cards getting played. And I've, I was in that trap myself where I was like, well, Howland – has a great influence, but his cards are ass. And then I played Hallen, and I was like, these cards are not ass. These cards are good. He's getting me really good with these cards. So it could be one of those things, too, where if you get into some, some more games, just at a first glance, you might think that a card is, like, not so great. And then when it gets used on you, and, and, it, and you see it used over and over again in the same kind of way, <clears throat> you come to realize it's actually a pretty good card. Uh, traders, I will have their heads. When I did this with Carl Kirsten, was in my top five. I have removed it because the because of the change in the meta with everything being about that panic damage. Joffrey forcing a panic test on a unit that he can also panic, and you've got Cersei in the mix. That card's great. Now we're off subject, but <laughs> I, I maybe if it was a panic test, it'd be a good card, and I'd, I'd like it a whole lot more. But it's just a morale test, so. I don't know how much I love it. Uh, you're just going to probably make Rose Knights wound you uh, <laughs> for playing the card on them. So <laughs> that's, that's what comes to mind for me. You're gonna, or you're going to trigger something like uh, Stand United Brothers, or you're going to trigger something like uh, what's, I think, no, I think Targaryen card and the, the Tully card, they have to be attacked and pass the panic, right, to heal. It's two wounds uh, or D2 plus one if they're the right house. 
remind me. That's uh, only after. Yeah, the it's uh, it's two wounds. If one pass the morale test, they heal so the, two wounds okay. or D3 plus one if they're Tully, and then you got Eddard, yeah. which would also uh, allow you to heal either two or D3 plus one if they're at the last rank. Yeah, and Grey Worm has it for his Unsullied. So, yeah, it's refused to yield. I didn't know if it was only after an attack. But, yeah, so there's some cards that maybe you're maybe you're triggering and, and people are happy because you made them take a morale test. At least with Paid Mutiny, uh, you do wounds to them if they fail, and you can use uh, Cersei and the bags to make it up to a minus four. Like, that's a damn good card. Um, and it shuts off an attachment. This is not... <laughs> this is not paid mutiny. It's not. It's not as good. So, um, mm-hmm. but that's that's me, I guess. Um, <laughs> I just. I wish Fargo was better because I like uh, Remorseless Assault. It's a very strong, really good card, and I've seen Benjamin Lynn uh, from Blitz Minis use Vargo in a Clegane list. Like it's Cleganes, but they're led by. Uh, Vargo and I don't even know if he put any mummers in the list but it functions just because his cards are good in a Lannister list so that's it I guess I basically danced around the subject of one card and talked about like 15 other ones so (laughs) no you're good so yeah I mean Mummer's tricks, like you were saying, you know, the cards that we're going to be mentioning, um, you know, the bottom fives in particular, it's not because they're, you know, so utterly garbage that you might as well just run less cards in your deck. Is But something's got to be bottom five, just like there's going to be something that's going to be top five. And I think when you limit it to only a top five and bottom five, it really kind of... Uh, it's harder to do. Like, if we were to, you know, because there's so many cards in this game, if we were to do, like, top 15 and bottom 15 with no particular order, I think it'd be much, much different. But uh, it's, you know, it comes down to, I think, uh, just uh, experience, like, player experience with the cards. Because, like you are saying, Brett, about the, the threat unseen, I'm sure you've had a lot of situations where it's worked exactly how we were mentioning, where, you, the unit dies before they even get to do anything. Whereas me, I've played this card, I can't tell you how many times, because for the longest time, Howland Reed was my number one go-to commander. And never could, like I, like I think I mentioned earlier, I've only ever had it happen once where they failed the panic and then died and didn't get to do anything. Otherwise, this card has almost never done anything for me. I have to disagree with one thing, Dave. Well, I do think fear keeps a man alive. I'd rather run less cards in my deck. Oh, yeah. And I could draw the cards. I'm sorry. <laughs> it's literally never worked for me. It's never done anything useful. Maybe I healed like two wounds once. It's like I've, tr- I've used it maybe like 200 times at this point at least. I just discard it as quick as I can. It's, I hate it. I will not like it. I don't care. You can sue me. <laughs> Anyone thinking that 200's like a big, like out there number? No, I mean, Justin's our local Bolton player, so it's pretty much mostly Ramsey and Roos for a very it's long time. Ramsey so and Roos. I never use the other two. Solid guess. <laughs> yeah. Like, so. I hate to like sound like the negative Nancy, but 
it's my that's the only one I like knew for sure I was picking. Well, I mean, let's put it this way: with what uh, seven factions, if you're not, uh, if you're just counting Targaryens and before, and obviously counting neutrals, and then all the different commanders adding tactics cards, I think having only a handful of tactics cards not be very useful, or you know, only a couple being outright like unusable in a lot of situations because they just don't seem to trigger. Uh, oh, I, I think, think it's, it's actually really, really good. good. Yeah. Yeah, I totally I agree. Mean, I mean, I don't expect any company, whether it be video games or board games or miniature games, I don't expect everything to be done right. Like we're, like you can't. It's just it's not ever going to happen. There's going to be something that falls through the cracks. You know. <laughs> yeah. At Brett, so, I expect him to be perfect at all times. If he's not, he's in trouble. Exactly. Hi, right, Brett. <laughs> what? <laughs> That's, are you holding me to the standards that my wife holds me to? Uh, yeah. I talk to your wife Even every day I... about you. <laughs> yeah. She actually got her standards for you from him. Yeah. Everybody knows <laughs> that. Oh, well, I mean, that makes sense then. So, <laughs> so next uh, up, we'll talk about Kingslayer's Renown. So this one, it doesn't seem, uh, for me, this one isn't like, bad for any other reason except for uh, or I shouldn't even say bad, it's just on the bottom five for no other reason except for it doesn't really give you anything or doesn't really give you much of anything. Uh, so when an enemy combat unit activates, the enemy becomes weakened. Really simple. Uh, and if they're within short of Jamie, uh, his unit, uh, they also become panicked. So it's if they're within short of Jamie, yeah, it's a nice just toss two tokens on there. But in a lot of cases where I've played as Jamie, the unit I need this to go off on is almost never within short of Jamie. That or Jamie just dies too quickly. Or, like, let's say it's late game when I finally draw it and then Jamie's already dead by that point. Just getting, like, a single weakened token. Uh, I don't know. I would say this is probably the next on the list. Is like So this would be number four out of the bottom five. So, like, the threat on scene, then this one. Um, so, this one kind of barely made the list as well as the threat on scene just because, you know, it's it's hard to make uh, the bottom five, in my opinion, much harder than the top five. So, what do you guys think about this card? Uh, I think I think mm, I did have to pick one of Jamie's. Uh, maybe I just didn't, like, look at them all good enough and realize how effective they were. I think that one is pretty, like like you said, not very useful, but I ended up going with Deadly Repost because I feel like it's worse. Because at least, at least worst case scenario, you can throw a weakened token on something when you need it. I'm not really sure what Deadly Repost is doing. Because when, like, attacking units charge, they're hitting almost every hit no matter what happens. Like, I mean, uh, it's a bad day when someone misses a hit after rerolls. They're like, oh, man, I missed a hit. <laughs> <laughs> well, I gotta, I gotta grab you for a second, uh, and I, I gotta do the same thing I did to Carl. Uh, it is pronounced deadly reposte. Uh, I know it is. Uh, I definitely know, but I'm not saying that. <laughs> you, you will say reposte. You will not from, tell me how to live. Reposte. What am I, French? Thing, no. I, I think it's from the Three Musketeers. <laughs> no, it's literally a word. It's, it's a move. Yeah. <laughs> A no, move in fencing where you deflect and stab. 
Uh, so <laughs> I think the I think the concept and idea behind Jamie's tactics deck with Pycelle and uh, the the misses causing hits. I think the idea is that you'll have tons of weakened tokens, and that's True. going to make deadly riposte do significant damage. The issue that I have with Jamie as a commander, I also chose Deadly Riposte uh, because I think his other like two cards are a, a little bit better. But the reason that I struggle with Jamie as a commander is if I want a commander that's focused on weakened tokens and, and things of this nature, I'll run Tywin. Uh, because I just, looking at Tywin's cards compared to Jamie's cards, I know it's it's not exactly the same thing, but... I just like Tywin better. Uh, Jamie's field commander now is a lot better, being able to get his cards back. Uh, it could be pretty oppressive now if you can keep cycling this card that Dave hates that gives out a weakened token. Because with Pycelle, you're basically guaranteed two weakened tokens around, right? One from the card, one from Pycelle. It can get pretty nasty. Um, weakened tokens are a pain. Uh, I don't think a lot of people like playing against Pycelle because they don't like being weakened the entire game. So I see some value in that, but Jamie just lacks a little bit behind some of the other commanders. I think Tyrion is still the ace field commander. If you want to run something a little bit different, maybe you run Gregor. Um, I just think Jamie is behind Tyrion, the High Sparrow, maybe Gregor, probably Tywin. So, it's a bummer, too, because I really like the idea. Uh, I always get excited about really defensive commanders, and that's the role that Jamie's supposed to fill. You know, um, Jamie and John Snow are probably my two favorite characters, and Rob, they're my three favorite Oh, Jamie's characters. like one of my favorite characters, for sure. Yeah, I love him, so I really want his com- I loved his commander version that did the plus one to defensive save bubble. Right. That was, I mean, that was great. Um it, it made me feel really good about bringing Mountain's Men and Halberds, uh, which are still really good units, but when you're pushing them to a three-plus defensive save, like, that was really neat. Uh, I liked that a lot. So next up, uh, we got Baratheon's Conviction. At the start of a round, target one friendly infantry unit and attach this card to them. Discard it when they fail a morale test. While this card is attached, if you control the crown... They only suffer one wound when they fail a panic test, regardless of abilities or role. If you control the envelope, this unit's defense save rolls of six block two hits. So um, this one I have on the list simply because it comp- like the start of the round uh, competes with some of the other uh, start of the round cards, and if you got too many in your hand, it just becomes bulky. And with only one, you know, you'll have you only have six start of rounds. So if you have four of these in your deck, I mean, and let's say you don't draw any of them until like later in the game, it can just get really bulky, and a lot of times it's very hard to trigger at that moment. The other part is needing to control the crown and the envelope. Envelope. Not a big deal. There's a lot of cool effects for that. The crown is kind of iffy. Um, a lot of the crown effects for Baratheons aren't so great that you have to go out of your way to get the crown in a lot of cases, unless you happen to have the three NCUs uh, to be able to spare to go on that spot. Uh, but even then, if you have the crown, um, you 
don't count it. Let's see. Uh, only suffer when you fail a panic. Only suffer one wound when you fail a panic test. So you still end up technically failing it, making the card detach. Granted, you only take one wound from it, but the the card then detaches. Um, the envelope effect of block for every six blocks two hits. Uh, really nice, but I I tend to find that it's not often that uh, it ends up working that way, especially if you know you block. Uh, let's say you roll like a six or two, but you still take some wounds and then you fail the panic test and it immediately comes off. Um, in a lot of cases, the card doesn't last as long as uh, I would like it to. What do you think, Justin? Uh, I know you play uh, kind of Brassians as your second army at the moment. So I'm going to disagree with you, not based off of merits, but based off of opinion. Uh, I really like buff cards a lot. In any war game, I'm, I, I really like force multipliers. Uh, I do completely agree that the buffs that this card gives don't really seem to make a difference most of the time. It's very often that those sixes are really helping you, or it's not very often. Uh, and then the morale test thing, yeah, you only get to fail once. However, it should be po- pointed out that Melisandre is super powerful right now, and that's a really good counter to the seven wounds that you can take from her. I know that they probably will attempt to not target that unit, um, but if you can pull it off, that's kind of the Brathian's only way of stopping uh, Mel from punching them in the face. Uh, and I think right now anything that does that is really powerful, like uh, worth the reward or uh, at any cost and stuff like that. Um, so I think that's an important thing. But you're totally right. It doesn't usually work out the way that you see it in your head. You're like, sweet, I'm going to block all the hits. You roll zero sixes, and you're like, sweet, I blocked none of the hits. I guess I'll go try <laughs> in a corner. Um, but I really yeah, like, or you like and I would love to see a or... lot more buff cards like like in each deck. That'd be great. Or even like on average, you roll like one six, and it, yeah, it's nice. You get that one extra block, but yeah, it, in the in the end, because of its trigger combined with its, uh, you know, its needing certain spots combined with only being able to do one of the spots one time because you still technically count as failed. Uh, yeah, I think that's why it kind of makes makes a list for me. I don't know about uh, it would make a list, but it'd be like like maybe bottom 10 for me, maybe, but I like it a lot. Yeah. So I don't care. <laughs> I think if we did a bottom 10, I think a lot of our cards would, uh, we'd have a lot of the same cards in there. Cause I think, uh, maybe with the exception of a couple here, or there, maybe, uh, like the thread on scene for Brett or whatnot. But I think a lot of the other stuff, I think like what I might have seeped down into the bottom five might be like in other people's uh, bottom tens and same like, you know, same with me and whatnot. Um, and then the other one is another oh, brassing card, which barely ever works for me, which is Stag's Wit. Uh, oh yeah. When a friendly <laughs> engaged combat unit activates, remove all condition tokens from that unit. And if you control the mail, instead of removing those tokens, you may place them on one enemy combat unit they are engaged with. So when this first this card was first released, I thought it was actually really awesome. Like in on paper, this card just seemed like it'd be crazy good. You know, because you're thinking of all the situations where you'd be able to pass all three tokens onto your enemy, and you know, it just seemed like an awesome card. But then when you combined it with all the other cards that activate uh, that go when you activate. Uh, it just sits in your hand because all the other ones are, in my opinion, clearly better. 
And then on top of that, you need to have tokens on you, which by the time, you know, you get to do your thing, a lot of times the tokens have already been used on you and they're not there anymore, or you're able to heal them in some other way, or uh, you don't have the mail, and then you might heal one token off of you, and then you can't transfer them. So I just... I have never really had it work for me, and only once have I ever had it work really well against me. Wasn't that, so, no, you used it against me once. <laughs> the only time I've seen it, it be used successfully, you moved three tokens to me. Like, I was like, son of a bitch. <laughs> was that like right when the Brassies Yeah, it was dropped? basically when it that. first started, and you were playing a Renly list, and I was playing a Stannis list, I think. And I had used the, um, I think I was at a tournament, I, I had the Bastard Girls and I used the, the three tokens card on you while I was engaged. And you're like, here you go. <laughs> I was like, no! <laughs> it, was, it was the one time I've seen it be used successfully, and of course it was against me. I have the worst luck ever. Jose just did that to me uh, <laughs> like last month or whenever it was. And yeah, he passed all three tokens to me. I was like, oh man. But yeah, otherwise, I, this card is so rare for it to ever really work that yeah, it definitely is a card I don't like to see when I, you know, when I'm drawn from the Brassian deck. Yeah, I pro I I have nothing to say about it because I completely agree with everything <laughs> you said. So let's uh, um, so we don't make the show take too long. Uh, Justin, why don't you run through your bottom five? Uh, even the ones that maybe that are the same as mine. And then, Brett, why don't you uh, run over yours as well? So, for me, I already talked about it in great length. Fear keeps a man alive. Terrible card. Stags whip. Deadly repost day. Uh, and then, Love by the Small Folk, uh, Loris Tyrells. I think it's terrible. Ha- shares a very common trigger with Baratheons and just doesn't have an effect, really. You get, like, a dice and Sundering or something like that. And then I couldn't really think of a fifth one, so I was just kind of rolling through things. And I, I don't see distraction tactics being used very effectively a lot. I know it can be really good, but like, generally at best it's like a negative one, and that's not really stopping a whole lot in my opinion uh, for a card. So that's what I went with. Yeah, I think a lot of the free folk cards are like they're definitely very close to the bottom. They'd probably uh, you'd see quite a few of them. I think if I had like a bottom ten list, but uh, I, I think uh, because of free folk's style of play, that when they can trigger and go off, you know, they can be pretty devastating. What about you, Brett? What's uh, what's your bottom five? Um, Fear keeps man alive. Deadly repost day. Um, Mummer's tricks. Stag's wit. In his brother's shot. I saw that on you. Uh, I want to talk about that one. Yeah, I was going to say, let's yeah. elaborate on that one, because I think we've talked about pretty much all the other ones. When I... Um, before we move on to that, really, really quickly, I'm just going to disagree with you really quickly, Dave, about Baratheon Conviction. I think it's a really good card. Um, with the meta being so focused on panic, uh, it can be incredibly clutch. There's a number of times that you pull off a rear charge and you just really need to kill this unit and it's down to their down to like two wounds 
it's like, well, normally this panic in the rear is going to kill them, but because of this damn card, it's not. And then the other thing, I'll, I'll, I get what you're saying with critical blocks. Uh, first of all, it's a pretty rare ability. I think it's pretty good. But the thing with critical blocks that I found is I get this card played on me all the time. So maybe that's why I hate it so much. But a lot of times to get through Baratheons anyway, you need to be using a vulnerable token. So a number of times maybe they roll one, six, and three fives uh, or in some fours, and you use the vulnerable token trying to push more damage, and then they pop like three sixes. And like, yeah, I just blocked more hits. Kind of, it's not overly common. It's kind of similar to the way you spend a weakened token on a unit that's got critical blows, and they didn't have any critical blow hits and you weakened some of the fours, fives, and threes, and now they've got critical blows, and you ended up the same or more, it's kind of that same effect. But I've had it happen. It's actually the exact same effect. Yeah. Well, I've had it happen more than once where the vulnerable token caused them to block more hits. But that's a fringe case. It's mostly the panic thing. Uh, Cutting your panic wounds down to one is pretty substantial, and they want the crown anyway. So moving on. Uh, why I don't like In His Brother's Shadow that much is because uh, the effect only lasts for a turn. So with the number of uh, scenarios that favor a field commander, uh, if you're running Renly's field commander version, you're probably up against a field commander more than likely. Um, and you're just shutting their ability off for the turn, and a lot of times that doesn't do a whole lot. Like for Jon Snow, who I run a lot, it's like, oh, I'm not going to heal on this turn. Ah, that's fine. Um, so that was, that was why I chose that one. Um, and now I'm thinking about it. Doesn't it give him a free march or something? It's one or the other. Yeah. Okay. I which is, which is a big reason why it's a lot better, but also like some commanders yeah. really rely on their abilities. I played a game against, uh, Jose recently where he Davos and just sprinted up the field using, um, flea bottom tricks. Uh, to get on my Bastard Girls, which I really didn't want him charging them to do significant damage. Uh, and so Davos ignoring stakes, he had put stakes there to where I couldn't really get to him, but he could get to me. So he sprinted on top of the stakes, and then he activated the unit, and I used in his brother's shadow. And I'm like, well, you got no abilities, and you're on stakes now. That sucks. <laughs> so, I mean, like, it didn't work out for him at all because he took a crap ton of damage before charging into me. Uh, but I had originally actually planned it to to maneuver Renly with uh, into a better position to get a good charge on. So I think it's a, any anything that gives you like a free maneuver, I think has a lot of or march for that matter has a lot of potential. Oh, especially with uh, the four inch uh, move stat for uh, Rose Knights, being able to march up eight inches uh, for them in a you know in Baratheons, which have which struggle, especially Renly side of things, uh, struggle with movement because um, they don't really have access to Davos and all that stuff. But yes, I agree. Like, uh, Brett, I agree with the top part of the fact that the top, the first option only lasts a turn can really suck. Um, you, It really limits its potential. Uh, but I think like that free march or even a free retreat action um, when an enemy, you know, commander activates, especially if let's say you're being double teamed and the commander is let's say on one side and the just another unit's on the other, you get a free retreat sideways in such a way that now the commander unit is stuck where they're at because they can't now recharge you. I think uh 
some of the retreat shenanigans you can pull off with this card could uh, really make for some get a headache. Actually. Yeah. It says one for March or a reaction. Uh, I thought it was March or maneuver. So we're going to skip my number five worst card because I forgot that it had a free maneuver. <laughs> and on, on top of it, it is versatile too. And like, that's, there's always something to be said in a card that you can use in multiple situations. No, I, I totally I mean, I'm wrong. Yeah, you suck, Brett. <laughs> God, why do we even hire you? Yeah, no. Paying you Tom Brady's salary over here. and <laughs> <laughs> Wait, you guys are getting paid. Are you guys getting paid? <laughs> but, uh, I mean, the fact that it is when an enemy commander activates does kind of suck for, uh, um, what should we call it? If they have a field commander and they're already dead, uh, you know, that could really suck. Then again, if they are a NCU commander, shutting off uh, NCU's abilities, even just for the turn that they activated, can be really, uh, can be really cool, too. Um, so, oh, yeah, for sure. But, uh, it's funny you said that about the uh, if they die thing, because when I did that to Jose, he died, and then I had the other one in my hand. I was like, well, great. This is nice. <laughs> but, yeah, um... All right, yeah, so we can go on to our top five. Uh, we can all run through ours and then kind of, like, debate on how, how they differ. Uh, my top five is, um, this is, uh, I don't know, it's in no real particular order. I'm looking at it, and I had it kind of in an order, but it's just, it's so hard because uh, top five, there's so many good ones that could have made this list. For me, it's, Set for charge from Tully uh, Blackfish's uh, tactics deck. Sudden charge from the Stark uh, basic deck. Delay orders from Tyrion's uh, specific cards. Stag's resilience from the Baratheon basic cards. And ours is the Fury from Baratheon's basic cards. Um, And I think for the most part, you can kind of, a lot of them are free attacks or just big game changers. Um, what about you, uh, Justin, what, what's in your top five? Uh, so these are in order actually. And the, the, the last one, I don't really know if that one was really hard for me to choose, but, uh, sudden charge has screwed me over more than any card in the game at like that card alone, I think changes games more than anything else because of its ability to just charge and destroy a unit. Just so fun. Uh, I put swift advance on there cause I, I think that card is absurd, too. Uh, overrun, this one I'm not super strong about, but I think the potential Overrun has to just annihilate, like like you're killing two units in one go, potentially, especially because you're using Gregor at that point. Uh, cruel Methods, because I'm a Bolton player, and once again, a free attack at the start of the round, no matter if it's your turn or the enemy's turn, you're either screwing them out of a big play or you're attacking twice before they even get to do anything is huge. And then the last one was like a, I, I put two. It's either Fainting Maneuver or It Shall Not End. Um, but I'm not really strong on those either. What one's the Fainting, fainting Maneuver? Uh, you hit him in the front and you go to the side, right, Brett? Free Charge. Oh, from uh, Harma? Oh, Free Charge, and then you hit him. Yep. And that's Harma's card, right? Yep. Yep. 
Gotcha. What about you, Brent? But it shall not end can be really goddamn annoying, so I put that on there. <laughs> yeah, so we're... What about I think we're all somewhat similar in our thought process. And ironically, most of the cards that we've chosen, uh, along with the theme that we've been kind of running, is that they imply a panic test as well, which I'm going to beat it to death because I'm going to beat it to death until it's dead and buried. But panic tests are huge in this game. So a free attack, a free charge, implies a panic test. Every time somebody's rolling panic test dice, they are taking a risk of taking four wounds for no reason. I guess there is a reason, but uh, but for a free action that can swing that badly, it's pretty substantial. So I've chosen sudden charge, counter charge, delay orders, uh, just simply because it's such a unique card. And, uh, it can absolutely screw with everything that your opponent wants to do. Like, watcher on the wall, I'm about to do something really cool. No, you're not, because you're not activating. A lot of times there's not a whole lot that anybody can do about that card either. Um, I put it shall not end until my death on there. Uh, I know Jon Snow's not the popular commander he used to be, but I still run him. He's still really good. The card's still really annoying. There's situations where I've used Ghost to tie up an eight-point unit of Knight's Castle Rock, a nine-point unit of Telecab, and they stayed there the entire game fighting Ghost because when they finally killed him, I just revived him. And then they had to kill him again, and I revived him again. So that's an obnoxious card, but even more so than that, in scenarios like Fire and Blood, when your enemy, when your commander activates, you get to place a victory point. So Night's Watch actually has four ways with this card of unactivating John and adding victory points. And as everybody who's played that game mode knows, sometimes the name of that game is maybe don't kill the unit that you can get to, but just pile a bunch of victory points on them, and then at the right time, you kill them. I've had a game I should have lost. It was the Akon primer against John Hurley. Should have lost the game by all rights. He should have beaten me, but he didn't. And he didn't beat me because I killed two units. And one of them was worth seven points because I did just that. And one of them was worth three. And it was the at the time when great axes were, like, ridiculously powerful. And so I just let him kill me. And then I revived, and I put a victory point on him. And then I let him kill me again the next round. And I put a victory point on him. And eventually I had seven points on him. It was ridiculous. It was rude. And, and then just to add insult to injury, when... He killed one of my units. I watch as ended and pulled John's token off. And then I finally killed him. I'm like, eh, that's enough. That's the game. If I kill this unit. They were down to like two guys. I was like, ah, I'll just kill you now. So it's pretty brutal, <laughs> particularly in those game modes. Uh, it's also pretty problematic in like a Dance with Dragons where your, your commander can grab a token and hold on to it for the whole game. If they fall into that trap of attacking John's unit over and over again, trying to get the token from him, Eh, you know, you won't take it because he doesn't die, so you don't get to take it for killing him. So that mixed with Amon, it's pretty ridiculous. Um, so yeah, you stay alive. John heals D3. Amon comes back, stitches them back together six, and now you went from I killed John Snow to yeah, I got to start all over. They have ten wounds again. This is stupid. So that's just for that that factor of how annoying it is and how it can tilt your opponent and throw them off of their game because they're so frustrated. It's, it's pretty powerful. And then I've got cruel methods again, because of the free panic tests, but I 
consider this card with Bastard's Girls in mind, which is probably Justin's favorite unit to use it on. Uh, uh, my favorite unit to use everything on? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> start, start the round with a free attack and a charging volley. Take your first activation and grab the swords, and let's see how many times that unit is actually still alive at the end of that. Uh, and going back to the majority of the time, the units aren't super elite, high morale tanking units. They're just average units to fill out activations. There's, I mean, even the guard with the guard captain, that could potentially be three panic tests. They're probably not going to pass all of them, and they might die. I, Justin, in our game, he played Cruel Methods uh, in our team game. He literally, in like one round, wiped out two whole units of Tully Sworn Shields. Because and of two other methods. units. It was actually four <laughs> units total. <laughs> I would like to point out, I got I to gotta throw some, some dirt in Brett's face. He killed nothing. I killed, I killed four nothing. units. He killed zero. Nothing. I had, I had sworn brothers that I repeatedly played precision on, and they could not kill one single unit of Knights of Castle Iraq. I think I attacked them... Like six seven times. Yeah, it was, and three of them were with crits or two Multiple. wounds. Yeah, they yeah with precision, and then a lot of the times they were vulnerable from the damn trackers, and I couldn't mm-hmm. kill one unit. <laughs> to be fair, before that round, nothing was dead on their side, and all I had left was like one of what did I have three or four bastards girls because we were being really dumb, so I, nothing had died yet. I'd lost my entire army except this one unit, and then they just popped off and killed four units. <laughs> it was pretty sweet. <laughs> it was a lot of fun. It's, it's one of those reasons that I love those team games. Um, just really funny, stupid stuff happens. But uh, you killed the mountain, too, with Bastard Girls. You were like, this probably isn't going to work, but we're going to try to kill Boom. the mountain. <laughs> it worked. <laughs> it worked great. I even killed uh, Tully Commander in Sworn Shields, which is not an easy feat. It It happened, but I was like, whoa. He died. I think I one-shot him somehow, too. I was like, holy crap. Yeah, you did. It was hilarious. It was great. Hey, you did rear charge then. And True. Rear but then we lost. We, we lost that game tremendously. I would like to point that out. <laughs> we lost. That's okay. Yeah, I don't, I don't care. It was funny. Although. Yeah, so... I mean, that's... Um, you have uh so I saw you you know, obviously I saw your list before we did this and in your top five you have counter charge and I really wanted to kinda of put counter charge on my list as well. It it's definitely in my top ten. For me, uh going with ours is the fury over counter charge simply because uh I guess it just depends on your opponent. So for me, I've had counter charge be too devastating too often that now I'm so mindful of it that I can usually mitigate my opponent ever being able to get it off because they don't have a lot of ways to get into the flanks if you're careful. So, and if you shift to be just right to be like, let's say a hundred percent while then also keeping them in your front, it really can mitigate its usefulness. Whereas you can't really get around ours is the fury granted. You're not going to get those uh, re-rolls, and you're going to be attacking with a unit that just got attacked. But I find that I'm more scared of ours as a fury than I am countercharge just because uh, just because they can then double attack me 
with the um, the same way that you can with counter charge, but counter charge at least has some uh, some ways to negate uh, them getting in with that with that charge. I chose it over ours the theory because you're uh, kind of quiet. Sorry, can you hear me better now? Uh, you can fake it pretty well. You can uh, like if you even if you don't have it, just the threat of it. Uh, that happened to me today. I didn't take a move that was probably a good move because I was afraid of countercharge. No, yeah, that's no glory, Brett. No, yeah, that's no glory. I lose a lot though, so don't take my advice. Um, and to for me, I put set for charge on there. Uh, I forget. Uh, did you put set for charge in yours, Justin? I, I can't remember your phone. No, but uh, I did want to talk about it, so I'm glad that you brought it up. Yeah, so for me, maybe it's completely a bias uh, thing because I absolutely, um, you know, because I play Blackfish as, like, my absolute favorite commander, and uh, it's my main go-to for tournament play. Set for charge is... I wouldn't say it's an easy number one out of the five that I listed, but it's, I could argue, you know, probably with my bias to make it number one, um, to the ability to have, uh, a defensive card that, um, you know, that you can attack before your opponent attacks, especially combined with the dervishes that are coming out, the ability to then retreat after your attack and completely make your opponent's activation mean nothing. Uh, is big um it allows you to also be aggressive while having a defensive offensive card if that makes sense um so i absolutely love this card you know when you're combining it with either you know i wouldn't even say either of the umber units i'd say most things in the stark deck or in the stark's uh, arsenal combined with all the other ways you can beef up uh, their combat potential. Um, and if you're lucky enough to really take off like two ranks of a unit and to make their attack back be practically nothing, I mean, it's it's huge. In a lot of cases, it can be game-changing. Uh, yeah, so the reason I wanted to talk about it is basically the same thing. I was going to give it like an honorable mention. I don't think it's like one of the best cards ever, but I think the combination of how powerful it can be against certain armies because of the stark offense that's turning into defense is retarded. Uh, like on Halberdiers, separate charge is easily manageable. Same with the new pikemen coming out because you know where that unit is and you know what it's capable of. You, however, do not know when you're charging berserkers that Dave always has that card in his hand unless you're me. Uh, <laughs> I can't tell you how many times I've lost the game because of it. It's really annoying. See, <laughs> but uh, because of Berserkers, it's ridiculous. <laughs> yeah, what Justin does when he plays me, if I have Tully Blackfish as my uh, commander, he's just immediately like, all right, everyone in your army now has set for charge until you've used both cards. <laughs> Actually, I think the last four times I've played that army, in the beginning of the game, I'm like, all right, I'm not going to even try, so uh, let's just kill me quickly. <laughs> I always lose. <laughs> that it's just, I don't, it's debilitating. 
What about you, Britt? Uh, what do you think about Sudden Charge? Either for, because uh, I know uh, Steyer also has it, um, but in particular, I guess the card in general, but in particular, maybe like Blackfish and his ability to use it. Uh, you know, I have gone to Rob and the Blackfish when I run Starks. Uh, I guess, Dave, we can kind of blame you a little bit for that. <laughs> But uh, it's, it has a lot to do with the, uh, the panic meta as well. I think the black fish, fish is a very good choice right now, uh, particularly prepared, particularly paired with Berserkers, which is a concept Dave has known for a long time. Thanks, Dave. But, uh, no, it's a very good card. Um, I didn't really give it much consideration when I did my list. I kind of put it together quickly. It's... Definitely a free attack, but I'm sticking by my top five. It's still my best top five, but uh, yeah, you're right. It's very good, um, especially if you happen to get it towards the end of the game when things are like super on the line and it's like, oh man, there's two berserkers here. Got this gimpy ass unit of four cutthroats. I'm about to go in here and kill these berserkers. I'm going to win the game. They're going to be vulnerable. I got this. And then you play set for charge. It's ten attacks, and now your cutthroats are dead, and Dave wins the game. What? That never <laughs> happened to me. <laughs> oh wait, it it did actually. I almost Multiple beat Dave once in one game. I almost beat Dave once. I had like four completely full units of cutthroats, and he had like four berserkers, and not four units, like four berserkers. And I was like, well, I've <laughs> easily got this. Nope, failed three charges. The next charge, I made it, and he separate charges into this. <laughs> For sure, I used it. Twice. I'm never gonna forget it. Yeah, I think so. I'm never gonna forget that. I was like, I don't even think I was mad at the end. I was just like, what? Like, is this real life? Yeah, I'm laughing with you, Justin. I'm laughing with you, but uh, but I'm not laughing. Well, and then with Eddard and Blackfish's abilities, I was able to heal the unit back up quite a bit. You actually did get to swing at me one more time or something like that, and but then after my healing, it didn't really matter. I was I, I cried a lot. I think I vowed that day to never play that list outside of a tournament. <laughs> and so far, it hasn't happened. I think that was, Dave doesn't put me through that. It's a good. Well, I think that was one of the rare cases where I actually played Blackfish outside of a tournament because. Yeah, we were uh, practicing for, I oh, think, yeah, the first we time we went to Indy, actually, where we met Brett. Ugh. That was a rough day. <laughs> it's really good against free folk, too. Um, they like to do uh, – they like to charge And with their horrible morale, uh, when they charge berserkers and they set for charge, it doesn't really go well. A lot of times they like to you know, send a, a bear in just to – try to tie your unit up and that has a tendency to oh, yeah, that you mentioned that the last tournament at Indy we went to that happened they uh he tra- the guy I, so I apologize if you're listening I'm so bad with names uh from uh Iowa uh, the folk player yeah he charged me with a just like a raider unit with a skin changer in it and I played set for charge and then I aligned full and then his bear couldn't charge because he was still in my front, so all he could do was then move it forward, and then I, you know, hit like two ranks off the unit, and then I attacked again and killed it, and then I sudden char—I think I sudden charged the bear. Yeah, it wasn't 
wasn't pretty. The set for charge is such a mystery, you know, for a lot of players, you know, because from, I guess, from what I've been, uh, you know, being told and just from what I'm saying, Blackfish just isn't popular. You know, you don't see him a lot. And with that said, a lot of people aren't really prepared for the set for charge. They're not really thinking about the potential. I am. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I know you are. Even if you've Sorry. used it twice, I'm like, I bet he's got a third one. Yeah. <laughs> Especially Sansa, like before Sansa was Sansa, ever changed. I just assume. I just assume you have a third one, honestly. <laughs> Even before Sansa was changed, I would purposely not use her ability to go into the deck. I would wait for a set for charge to be used just for the potential of using it three times. But um, with that, uh, I think uh, I'm going to touch just briefly on delay orders before we kind of move until we wrap it up. Uh, Delay orders, I agree with Brett. It's kind of something that's different. It may be kind of the outlier to uh, a lot of the other options we picked that all give free attacks, uh, free charges, and all that good stuff. And um, delay orders just has so much potential. It is a huge reason why I started playing Tyrion a long time ago when, uh, for, uh, Lannister, uh, deck or for Lannister lists. And he was by far my favorite commander, uh, for a long time. Um, not only just for, uh, uh, Lannisters, but just in general, uh, I didn't really care for Lannister's play style. So that's why I kind of was drew to Tyrion and delay orders. I mean, you're almost always wanting the envelope anyways as a Tyrion player. So I'm always, you know, I try to my best to always get the envelope. And when you have that and you can dictate what they have to play next, especially when Lannisters already, you know, kind of struggle with activation count compared to a lot of the other factions, you know, a lot of Lannister lists are always hovering right at seven activations in most cases, uh, unless you're, you know, unless you add the mountain that rides in there, then you can usually bump it up to eight pretty easily. But at seven activations, especially when you're facing a lot of lists that are eight, nine, 10 activations, having delay orders. So that way you can force them to place, uh, to activate something uh, that you want them to activate uh, prevents that waiting game where they can just outweigh uh, everything you're doing to set up a key um, combo to try to like you know one shot or do- like one two punch your unit. So delay orders, I think, definitely doesn't get enough credit. Um, definitely a card that I'm kind of I'm sort of glad that has not been uh, reprinted into another commander because uh, it's just very powerful. And I think it fits Tyrion really well. Um, And the fact that you're not seeing this card everywhere, I think is actually kind of healthy for the game. So I think this card just has so much potential. I I totally agree. I do believe Brett is gone though. Uh, Brett Brett had to take off. He had uh, some husband husband, uh, duties to take care of. He will be missed. Um, As always, we... Yeah. As always, we appreciate him coming on. Um, but, yeah, we can kind of wrap up the show anyways. Uh, with that said, thank ev- I thank you all for listening. Um, 
Now, I hope you guys kind of enjoyed this uh, topic. We're going to do kind of more top five, bottom five topics. Uh, we just we try to wait on this topic. It was kind of on our to-do list a long time ago, but uh, another channel had already kind of done this topic, and we, we wanted to give it a little time, a little uh a little break so that way it didn't just seem like a repeat in content. So, um, you know, I hope you guys enjoyed this one. Uh, definitely, you know, find us on Facebook and let us know what kind of shows you want to hear. Uh, we're always open to ideas. The only real time we won't cover something is if we already have. Uh, and even if we already have, if you believe that, uh, you know, there's something we didn't cover on it, or maybe it's been long enough that uh, we can kind of revisit the topic. Uh, we'll definitely keep that in mind too, because you know we do the show every single week, and you know there's 52 weeks in in the year, so I mean that's 52 topics we need every year. So you know we definitely uh, uh, want your input, and we definitely want to do shows that you guys want to listen to. You know, because we do this for you guys. So um, also if you uh, uh, haven't already, you know, like, follow, and share us on any of the outlets I mentioned before. Uh, join our Discord, and uh, you can either chat uh, about whatever Ice and Fire. You can find games for uh, Tabletop Simulator, or uh, you can give us those sh show suggestions. Um, as always, I'm going to shout out to local game stores everywhere. If you have a local game store, try to do whatever you can to support them. Uh, if usually you buy online just because it's cheaper, maybe just consider, you know, uh, buying some of your product, uh, you know, from your local. Uh, it's it's always best to kind of try to help those that give you a place to play. Um, it Some of us play in our basements, you know, have our friends come over. That way you can have like a beer or something. But remember that local game shops is the place where you're going to meet new people and get new people into the game usually not that that can't happen at your your house but people are less likely to kind of go over to a stranger's house and uh they'll you know it's you're not really going to get the word out there as fast so definitely try to support your local game shop and you know keep them going especially if they haven't opened yet just you know shoot them an email uh you know maybe they're doing online sales or maybe you can just uh you know buy a gift card in the meantime for when they open back up. So definitely keep that in mind. Uh, if you don't have a local shop anywhere near you, definitely keep in mind um, either Games Plus in Mount Prospect, Illinois, which is uh, most of our local shop. You can order from them and they do online uh, deliveries. Or uh, you can do uh, Family Time Games in Indianapolis, which is owned by Shane awesome guy and he helps out the community quite a bit it's also where brett uh, goes to play keep in mind either one of those shops if uh, if you don't have a local game store and you're buying online um what about you uh justin do you have any shout outs uh no not really i mean i guess if we're talking about local stores uh my local store is cataclysm I'm a little bit farther away in illinois and it has been it has quickly become a very uh, how do I say, like my favorite store ever to like purchase things from. I haven't been able to play much lately because uh, their game room still closed, um, which is totally fine, but they're a wonderful shop. So if you ever find yourself in Northern Illinois near the Wisconsin border, it's a great place to go for sure. They carry like everything. 
Yeah, they definitely have I've been up there a few times now, and they definitely have a great selection of uh, not only just games in general, they have tons of, like, accessories, too, uh, board games, pretty much everything you can think of. It's a very big uh, store. Um, and are they uh, Illinois or Wisconsin officially? It's like Illinois. It's McChesney Park. Okay. Definitely, yeah, definitely uh, if you don't have a – if you're just, like, buying on Amazon or eBay or wherever, uh, consider one of those locals uh, if you don't have a local of your own. Um, but yeah, with that said, uh, thank you all for listening. Uh, we will be back on next week, same time, 8 p.m. Central Standard Time, as always. And this is Small Council Radio, and it is dismissed. <laughs>